You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus. Well, people seem to be obsessed with justice, but they can never find it. They pray for peace, but as we know, wars go on. They march for social justice, whatever that is. But you know, if everyone's demands were met, there would still be no justice. Because to appease someone usually means that someone else is getting robbed. And so there doesn't seem to be any apparent solution. Justice is an ideal that is just simply unattainable. And so people end up being, uh, peace ends up being no more than just a prayer. People offer solutions and they gain loyal followings and followers. But over time, we see that their solutions are eventually useless. Injustice remains. There will never be perfect justice in this world. People people aren't corrupt because they happen to follow just an erroneous policy or that they're poorly educated. They're corrupt because of their corrupt and sinful nature with which they were born. And so while it's true that some kinds of governments are better than others, No human government can administer perfect justice. And even if God were to send down angels from heaven to administer justice and to govern us, there would still be no peace on earth. The reason is that war, crime, rebellion, fighting, and every other form of violence in this world is not a reaction against systemic injustice. It's a reflection of the sin that's deep within our hearts. The reason we don't have justice is the same reason that we don't have peace. We are sinners. We can neither govern ourselves nor submit to the government in such a way as to secure that ever-elusive justice and peace that every generation of idealists think is just around the corner. If only they could get their man in office. And yet, while ivory tower dreamers pine after what they cannot have or experience in this life, the definitive act of justice that has secured everlasting peace has already taken place. It stands at the center of all of human history. Justice was done. Peace was established. And yet it looks like the the very worst miscarriage of justice ever. It looks like meaningless violence. But as you know, appearances can be deceiving. In fact, when our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, justice and peace were done perfectly and permanently. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. Every Jew would recognize those words. They're the words that introduce Psalm 22. And this psalm was written by David and was used by the Old Testament church in her worship. It sounds like the cry of David, or perhaps of those who suffered and wondered, why, my God, my God, you have forsaken me. Of course, it was in the mouths of Christians a rhetorical cry, not to be taken literally, for surely God cannot forsake his children. After all, David also wrote Psalm 27, where he said, Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. 
When David authored Psalm 22, he wasn't writing about himself or his own troubles. He was describing the suffering of the promised Savior. And notice the clarity, the clarity of the prediction that God gave David to write. Several hundred years before death by crucifixion was even invented, David wrote these words of the suffering Savior, They pierced my hands and my feet. Surely David couldn't have known the implications of what he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. But of course, we do. Jesus was nailed to the cross. His hands and feet were pierced by nails. They cast lots for his clothing. They mocked him. And throughout this seemingly tragic episode of cruel injustice and wanton violence, God was doing justice and making peace. But consider the cost of justice. And look at that price of peace. There was only one way for the injustice of mankind to be replaced by the justice of God. God himself had to become man and do it. He had to do justice, and he did. Now that's not so hard for people to see. In fact, many of the political idealists will point to Jesus as one of their own. Because they can see that the man yearned for justice, and he always did what was right. He cared about the poor and the dispossessed. And yet, he didn't advocate violence against the state. He spoke the truth to power, and he did so without flinching from the cost. The righteous life of Jesus is something that everyone with a conscience must admire. But now we diverge. Here, we turn our heads away, and we avert our eyes as we see this just man suffering as if he were the unjust man. It's precisely where justice is done that those who say they want justice turn away in horror at the cost of it all. But dear people, don't turn away. Look at him. Listen to him cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See what's happening here. Don't look away. Who is this man hanging on the cross asking this question? Who is this man who is forsaken by God? This man is you. See yourself up there facing justice. See yourself up there paying for all of your sins. Every one of them. Even the ones you cannot remember. But know this. It is not you personally that is hanging there. It is Christ as your representative. He is taking your place. And all of those sins to be paid for, he remembered every single one of them. He bore every single one of them. He was forsaken in his suffering because of those sins that you have committed. Those sins call for divine retribution, and there on the cross, justice was meted out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He spoke to his God, not to another's God. The Father and Son are one, and while the Son is God, in his humanity he calls the Father, my God. Yet, it's in his full deity and in his full humanity, both, that he is forsaken. Now, how this can be, I have no idea. 
I can't understand it. I can barely talk about it. I don't know what to say. But I can say and do know this, that God forsook God. God forsook his dearly beloved son, and he forsook him because he didn't want to forsake you. Every evil thing you've ever done, and every evil thing that anyone has done to you, was placed on Jesus as the holy God turned his face away from him and then forsook him. God, who loved his son and taught the whole world to honor him, had laid on him the world's sin. And in Jesus, he punished that sin by forsaking Jesus as the representative, the substitute of all humanity. There's no justice. There's no peace. Truer words were never spoken. Only where Jesus meets the demands of justice for us in our stead is God at peace with us. And he is. He is at peace. He holds nothing against us. In Christ, that is, in him and through him and for his sake, God is at peace with us. God's anger against us has already been poured out on Jesus. Jesus has been forsaken. God cannot forsake those who put their trust in Jesus. Again, because Jesus has already been forsaken. He's already removed God's anger. He has already achieved peace. He has already met the demands of divine justice fully, finally, and for everyone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christians sometimes ask this question, but it's always a false question. It was only true for Christ. It cannot be so for his Christians. Christians do doubt, and their doubts can become severe at times. The doubts originate in the sinful heart that cannot learn to trust in God. The doubts cannot be removed by willpower. They can only be removed by the power of God, and that power is in the gospel. The gospel is not a message of what God wants you to do to make peace with him. The gospel is the message that God has already made peace with you and with me and with the whole world when he forsook his son on the cross. For it was there that justice produced peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please rise as we pray. Merciful and everlasting God, who has not spared his only Son, but delivered him up for us all that he might bear our sins upon the cross, grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith in him that we may not fear the power of any adversity, adversaries. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.